All right, folks, turns out I'm the one bringing the message today. Uh, happy Sunday to all of you. I'm still Pete. I'm still one of the pastors here. God is good. Amen? This week, we're going to continue the series that Justin kicked off for us last week. This series is called All Things Rise. It is based on the song that we just sang by the very same name. This series is meant to build toward Easter, which is the most important day on the church calendar. It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last week, Justin showed us how God's goodness is free and boundless, and how God wants to set us free from the things that bind us up. I love that we are preaching from a song for three reasons. First, this particular song is one of my favorites, to play on my little mandolin and also to sing and to hear other people singing. It's well-written musically and lyrically, and it makes my ears and my heart and soul happy to participate in singing it together. Second, this song is theologically rich. For thousands of years, Christian churches have used songs to communicate the truths of Christianity for the benefit of everyone singing and listening, and we get to participate in that tradition when we think, sing All Things Rise. This series can help us benefit from the truths that we're singing together. And third, there is a ton of scriptural background for this song, which means we get to preach from the passages that provide the theological underpinnings for our worship. And so we get to hear the word and sing the word, and as we do so, we are formed in goodness, just as God has formed the worlds in goodness. And that's the phrase from this song that we're looking at this week. The line we sing says, God, how beautiful your holy word that formed the worlds in such goodness. And I think it's helpful to know what's meant by the word here because there are two meanings in church for the word. Most commonly, when people speak about the word, they mean the Bible. The tradition for that goes back to the very earliest days of the church, and I appreciate and use the phrase the word in that sense often, but the Bible has a different and another definition for the word. Here's what the Bible says about that in John 1, verses 1 to 5 and 14. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so we see that in Scripture, the word is Jesus Christ. The word is at the time that it, the Bible was written, the concept of the Logos was the word that holds the universe together. And what John is writing to us here in the Bible is that that word that holds the universe together is Jesus Christ himself. And this passage shows us the divinity of Jesus as clearly as any other in the Bible. It reveals the underpinnings of all of creation. And that's that Christ, who was with God and was God, is the one through whom everything has been made. Nothing created except through Jesus Christ from the very beginning before the world existed. Jesus brought life to the cosmos, the whole of the universe, and Jesus brings a light that shines into the darkness and will never be overcome. 
There's a story of the universe that begins with an inexplicable bang and ends in a contraction that snuffs out all life. That is not our story. Our story is that the universe began through the love of God, who gave life through Jesus, and that the universe continues by the light of God that shines throughout the world and the heavens. And that light will never be extinguished. It will continue into eternity. As we see in verse 14, the act of creation was not followed up by God leaving us to our own devices. Instead, God joins us in creation, becoming human, full of love and faithfulness. Jesus Christ was born as a human over 2,000 years ago, the living expression of the Father's glory. Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of humanity, the light that lasts forever. Jesus being intimately involved in the creation of the universe has meaning for you and me. It has implications for our everyday lives. The inherent goodness of God being present from the very formation of everything we can see, even the snow right now, means that God's in all things and through all things and for all things. And that means we can have hope in the middle of a deeply broken world that God will restore creation one day bringing us to the finish that God intended from the very beginning. And so, yes, the world is broken. The Bible says that's because of sin in the world, which has broken humanity and broken all things. But sin is not the final story. It is not the ultimate truth. It does not define us or creation in the end. Jesus will have a complete and total victory over sin and death And I can't wait to live in that place. Amen? That's going to be way better than what we got going on around here. I used to believe in a story where God wipes out the world because it's bad. I got taught this story in Christian schools when I was young, and it meant that God didn't like the world. I remember my friend in high school telling me it's uncool to recycle because God doesn't care about the world. How dumb is that? Right? I thought it was ridiculous, but you know what? I had no reason I could articulate Why? Ever since I learned that actually God comes back to redeem the world, one day heaven comes to earth, I realized the world is not bad. God's plan is not to wipe it out. It is to make everything right. And so when we work to make things right today in the world we can see, we are working in harmony with God's ultimate plan for all creation. And that's been a huge change for me, to see that the world is already full of God's goodness and ultimately returning to be completely good one day. The passage we're going to look at today, the scripture behind God forming the worlds in goodness, comes from Colossians. (coughs) Excuse me. Colossians is a book of the Bible all about the connection between what we believe and how that works itself out in our everyday lives. And in the first chapter, we have one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. And this passage is arranged in such a way that it suggests that it was an early hymn of the church. Singing our theology has been a practice of the church since before we even had the Bible. And so we love to do what the Bible commands over and over in the book of Psalms, sing to the Lord a new song, again and again, rearranging the theological truths of a life with God and a life with Jesus Christ and singing them back to God together as the people of God. 
God made music beautiful, and we love to worship God with music. So here's how Colossians 1, 15 to 20 speaks of the way all creation was formed in goodness. We're going to take it a few verses at a time. Here's Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as throne kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And so I want to invite you this morning to think about what this means for how we look at the world, how we look at each other, and how we look at ourselves. Jesus, who we know is the greatest person ever born, the most loving and powerful and good and true, Jesus is at the center of creation. God made everything seen and unseen through Jesus and for Jesus. We Christians have a concept of God called the Trinity, which means that God is three persons in one being. And there's almost no way to talk about the Trinity without committing some kind of heresy because it's complicated and mysterious. And maybe any view of God should be complicated and mysterious. It also means that the love of God exists among God's self, the Spirit loving the Son, sending, loving the Father, sending the Spirit, and so on forever and ever in what Richard Rohr calls the divine dance of God's love. And out of that love, which is eternal, God creates the heavenly realms and the earth. Everything that we see, even this weird march from the rising sun to the stars at night, every piece of creation was considered by God and put there as an expression of God's love for his son. And so, yes, the world is broken. Yes, we face challenges and troubles and fears daily. I've been sick for 23 days. I'm on all the drugs. I'm non-communicable. I'm real tired of being sick. <laughs> Thankfully, the brokenness is not the end. It wasn't there at the start, and it won't be there at the finish. Verse 17 says, Jesus existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus is called the firstborn of creation again and again in Scripture, six times in the New Testament, from Paul writing his epistles, from the author of Hebrews, from the author of Revelation. He is called the firstborn of all creation. He existed before anything we can see, and through resurrection, he is the first creation of the new world that will one day come in full to earth. We're headed toward a world and a universe that are shaped like what we see in the resurrected Jesus, and that is good news. Amen? Can't wait. Verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, and so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so the way this starts is that Jesus is the head of the church, and who is the body of Jesus? We are. That is an amazing and almost terrifying idea, right? 
There's a very old poem attributed to St. Teresa of Avila that puts it this way. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. You are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on the world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. I feel a deep sense of awe and responsibility when I read these words and think about what they mean. I feel awe that Jesus would entrust his presence and activity in the world to you and me. Sometimes I think it's totally crazy and that Jesus is nuts, right? Then I feel responsibility. I want to live up to the measure of Jesus Christ in a world where I feel like it's difficult to just show up some of the time. The world being made through Jesus and the new creation being launched by Jesus is a world where you and I are God's message of compassion to the world. We're the ones that show or fail to show the goodness of God. And thankfully, it ultimately depends on God in us. I hope what you don't hear is me telling you, try harder, <laughs> because life is already super hard, amen? I'm not telling you, go out and make sure you do better all the time. What I am pointing to is that we are invited to welcome Jesus into our heart and life, that we ourselves are formed in the goodness of God, and that we're made to have God living out of us all the time. And that's more an act of just getting out of the way sometimes than it is an act of coming home and trying harder because the pastor said so, right? Jesus Christ is the good word of the Father spoken to all creation. God spoke creation into being, and the word that he spoke is Jesus Christ. And that word shows us the beginning and ending of everything that we're going through today. And the ending is this, a full reconciliation of all creation. Colossians 1.20 says, Through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself, everything in heaven and on earth, everyone ever made. It says he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is what's known as a high Christology, that Jesus accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. Born as a little human baby. We had a four-week-old here first service. So cute. Born as a tiny baby in the lower level of an inn, in a feeding trough. That's how much God loves us. God would do anything to come to you, to be with you, and to show you the way. God has chosen us to show that way to the rest of the world. Our world was formed in goodness because the one through whom it formed, through whom it was formed, and the one it was formed for is Jesus Christ, who is super good. And so on behalf of God, I get to invite you today to step into the goodness of God. 
the goodness that we were created for and the goodness that we are heading toward. I want to invite you to give up the things that damage creation, that damage ourselves and each other and the world around us. And I want to invite you to live a new way, the way of working toward the future that God is already ultimately bringing to us, to work for redemption and love and forgiveness and healing for yourself and for other people and for all the world that God has made. God's welcoming you today as you are to step into his plan, to say yes in your heart and in your mind, and to walk this way with whatever life and work and relationships that God has already given you. People a lot of times ask pastors, like, what's my call in life? And I always tell you, step one is to do everything God's already given you today with faith. That's, that's your call. People want to hear it's something else. People want to hear it's like, go be a missionary in Africa or win the lottery or whatever it is, you know, that people want to hear. But that is not the call of God. The call of God is to live the life you have with faith, with trust that God will work things out in the end. I invite you to say yes in your heart and your mind to God today. I want to invite the worship team to come forward at this time. We're in a transition to the point where you get to go to God and worship and prayer and communion. That's the most important part of our service is the stuff that you get to do, the way you get to respond to God. And I want to invite you to say yes to God's goodness today. I want to invite you to take on God's eyes to see the value and presence of Jesus in everything and anyone, including you. That could be a new perspective for many of us, and it has changed my life, and it could change yours as well. I invite you to stand as you are able. We have uh, three tips, something to read, pray, and do to put the Word of God into practice as we have received it. Tip number one is read Colossians 1. It's super beautiful and super deep, and you might like it enough to read the whole rest of Colossians, which is pretty short anyway. Tip number two, pray for eyes to see Jesus in all things. And for some of you, that might be hardest to do in the world out there, which presents you with so many challenges and brokenness. For some of you, it's hardest to see Jesus in the people around you, many of whom have not been nice. And for some of you, it's hardest to see Jesus in yourself. Where the Bible says God lives and moves and gives you being if you have invited Jesus into your life. So uh, tip number three is to do something that shows God to the world. If that sounds confusing or hard, just pray and ask God, God, is there anything I could do that would show people your love? And then whatever comes to mind, give it a try and see how it goes. I totally believe God can speak to you and give you some good guidance if you're willing to ask. If you're on the prayer team, could you come forward at this time? Thanks, folks. We got anyone on this side who would be willing to come pray? Thank you, Jeremiah. Appreciate you. Thank you, Emery. Uh, I have three specific things that you might want to get prayer for today, but we'll pray anything in the world that would bless you because these folks are just trained to pray blessing for you. Um, first, you want to believe the world's good, but your world doesn't seem very good. Uh, the world can be a cold and hostile place. And when our eyes are stuck on the bad things that happen, man, there's a lot of bad things happening. I can get an amen there, right? Um, all you got to do is turn on anything or just go out and meet some people. And there's plenty of bad stuff happening in the world. And I just want to invite you that God sees something much different than you do when you look at the world. And God's inviting you to have a change in perspective today. We would be glad to pray for that to be 
happening in your life. Uh, number two, you're struggling to see the goodness in someone in your life. Um, God looks down and sees each person with value and with gratitude and with love, which is an amazing sentence. Every person, that's how God sees them. If there's someone you're really struggling to see those things in, we would love to pray that God would give you a change of heart, that God would give you new eyes. And lastly, those of you who struggle to see the goodness in yourself, um, there is nothing more... Ugh, uh, more heartbreaking for me than when my kids think they're bad. Uh, it's just like tears you up inside because the world sends that message to people all the time and sometimes kids believe it. And that's how God feels about you. God knows how good you are. God believes how good you are. God sees all the good that you mean and that you intend and that you care about. And that's what God knows about you is true. And God is inviting you to have his own eyes for yourself, to love yourself uh, with the same love that God has for you. And so if any of these are resonating for you, um, I think that would be a great sign uh, that coming up and getting prayer today would be a good next step. I'll lead us in prayer as we transition. The worship team will let us know when the service is over. Uh, God, we're so grateful for your goodness. I thank you for making things of beauty in every season, uh, even the worst month in Minnesota March. Uh, I thank you for making beautiful trees and um, clean snow and for a 40-degree week. I just thank you for all the good things you've made in creation. We thank you for the good things you've made in people. Uh, of course, there's a lot of brokenness in our world, but you see good things in every person, and you've put good things in every person here in this room. And we thank you for those good things. And God, we thank you for the good that you have done in our own hearts and our own lives. We thank you for coming to live within us, for being there when we turn to see what value we could have and for seeing us as your children, your sons and your daughters. Thank you for all these good things, God. In worship, we offer ourselves back to you. We ask that you would give us your eyes and your heart for creation and other people and ourselves. Move among us as we sing and worship you together, God. Amen. Amen.